I think the the problem that we see right now is that we are trying to press the old medium into this new technology. And so for evolvement, um, we have to produce it in a completely different way. Maybe VR, like real VR, is just like a bridging technology, which is now for nerds and so on. And the actual breakthrough will not come from virtual reality, but from augmented reality, right? Okay, three, two, one. Welcome to the Innovation Engineer Podcast, your favorite place for picking brains of your favorite engineers. So grab your nerdiest mugs, fill it with a beverage of choice, and enjoy. My name is Tarek. And my name is Vashi. And today we ask ourselves, what is the state of VR and AR? Yeah, actually, AR and VR is kind of your passion project, right, Tarek? So you do it for years. And I think many people say it's just a toy for rich people and for nerds. So, Tarek, are you actually a rich guy or a rich kid? Let's call it a rich kid, right? Yeah, kind of. I mean, not really, but uh, I'm I'm in the luxurious position that I'm an adult now. And so I have something like a real income and I can buy the toys that I really want to. And in this case, I really enjoy playing around with uh, VR and AR. And I took the liberty and actually buy a Valve Index, which is kind of a very expensive uh, piece of equipment. Um, but for me, it is worth. I, I always dreamt about uh, playing around with VR technology. And when in 2015, the Oculus actually came out on the market, um, I was the first one to pre-order it and play around since. And it's, it's really amazing. And so in, in this direction, I could consider myself a rich kid, right? <laughs> what about you? Are you in VR? Well, first of all, I always considered myself as a rich kid and as a nerd, both at the same time. And um, so I'm a Nintendo boy. I grew up with Nintendo. So there was this, this virtual boy device. In the end, it's actually kind of a Game Boy, not really VR, but it was kind of the first VR not really a headset, it was more like stationary. So I always wanted all Nintendo gear. So, uh, and I was not really a rich kid. So I wanted as a young boy an N64, never got one, bought one as an adult. So I can feel, you know, when, when I uh, got my mm. first job, I started buying a lot of different things I could not afford as a child. So um, no, I don't have modern VR gear. We had it at work. So uh, we had a lot of uh, VR gear at work. I tried out different things. I played a lot of VR games at work again, not in, in private, because what you actually need is like a high-end graphics card. And those are very expensive. Or I, I thought I would buy a newer one. So I was like, okay, you need a, uh, I forgot what it was, a 1,770 GeForce card at least or something like this. And I was always like, One tier below, even as, as kind of a gamer, I was always one uh, graphic card tier below the ones which were recommended for the best VR experience. So uh, I didn't buy VR stuff, no. Yeah, did you have the Nintendo Power Glove? No, uh, I, I saw it a lot <laughs> of like uh, Nintendo magazines. So the official one and there was yeah, the other German one, which I had... Uh, um, nearly every issue actually uh, of they always wanted one they love also like movies where they have the power glass and then they do some hacking and so and movies like hackers of course where they just right. put on uh the the uh, glasses which reminds me in the latest star trek uh star trek picard actually season two it is they have like actually ar goggles which look like oculus goggles and it's vr so it's like they use ar goggles to like have fake vr in star trek i always think star trek yeah. uh, is the next big thing oh man I, i'm not up to date with vr yet 
So I, I watched uh, season one, but I didn't see season two yet. Yeah, but but let's come back actually to the to the actual question. Uh, question: What is the state of VR and AR? So I was promised as a teenager that VR will be the thing. I read uh, Ready Player One, where like the world was devastated, like uh, everything was uh, kind of like like a desert, and the cities were polluted. So everyone went into VR games, played it, and I mean that that was the same with online games, right? When I was young, there was like EverQuest, which was really nerdy and was not mainstream, and then World of Warcraft came, and I actually got even a World of Warcraft beta key that was my dream actually back in the days problem was I had only a 56k internet so I wasn't able to play World of Warcraft that was the only reason uh, I went to university because I had like a gamer friend back in the days and he was at university and they had like a 100 mbit uh, internet connection I was like okay if you want to play World of Warcraft you need to go there And I actually always was thinking, okay, this one VR game will come out where you really want to buy the equipment. It was the same like with a graphics card. When Tomb Raider came out, it looked shit on my 2D graphics card. So you bought a Voodoo graphics card. It was like with, okay, Wing Commander, you could get 15 discs or you get a CD-ROM drive. Or when Baldur's Gate came out, it had an installation size of 1.2 gigabytes. And I was like, okay. I need a new hard disk. That's when I bought my first 10 gigabyte hard disk just to play this game. And I'm waiting for this one game in VR where I really need to buy the equipment. Yeah, is there yeah. a game where, where we say it is already out there? I think, I mean, um, of course, it's still in this transitional phase where we have this bulky hardware and it's not as in Ready Player One where people uh, like the whole city is playing and walking around and moving in VR as they do in real life. So we are not quite there yet. But there are a lot of um, amazing games that already give you this sense of immersion where you feel like they are perfectly suited for VR. And uh, one example, for example, is Beat Saber, a very lightweight game where you don't have to do anything than swing around a lightsaber and hitting blocks and it sounds very casual but it's a lot of fun and this one is, is really amazing for getting into this this uh, scene of vr and i think um the most popular vr game yet or let's say the the most the best adaptation of vr technologies is half-life alex which is created by valve um, and this one I played and it's really amazing because it's completely designed to get you into this feeling of VR. You are living in this world um, of, um, of Half-Life, um, which you know from the old games, but this time you're really in there. But th there's still this caveat that you have to use this um, teleportation workaround where you aim for where you want to go and then jump there because you can't literally move in the... Um, in, in, in the virtual world with your feet and there we start having these new devices which you could say like wearables like the power glove for example but also for example the catwalk c the, do you know this catwalk thing where you strap yourself in and move in a kind of a walk with these uh, glidey shoes and so your feet are actually doing the walking movement and you use this to walk in vr this one is for example perfect to play Half-Life because you can literally walk and shoot and look around and this is really working well and this starts to get kind of into the mainstream of gamers uh, not really mainstream in terms of everyone has it but it is something that you can directly buy and put into your living room or into your, your bedroom and actually use it to move around in VR so when you take um, Ready Player One as some kind of 
future vision of where we go with VR, then we are kind of already there. Yeah, and we start using devices like this in real life. Yeah. Do you do you consider go, getting into this real um real VR vibe with not only buying this graphic card but actually buying something like the the new version of the power glove like haptic gloves and this uh catwalk device where you strap yourself in? Yes and no it's the same time. So that's it's a tricky question. So um I want this. So when I started playing World of Warcraft, it was like a total different experience. This community thing, and it was like really addictive. It was really, really great. And everyone was playing World of Warcraft, like millions of players. I think uh, they had like 15 million players, which uh, counted as the whole population of the world. Is sound not that much, but it was really a breakthrough for a whole genre of games. And uh, also for internet connections, because then everyone, the same with streaming, everyone wanted faster internet. So, but with this VR stuff... Um, I, I'm a big fan of Minecraft and I tried Minecraft in VR and it's perfect. So the graphics is really perfect for VR. It's great. And the problem is this motion sickness, right? So mm. uh, what you do actually is you sit in front of a virtual television and play Minecraft. So you can see the, the great graphics, but you're still like on a fixed position uh, uh, to work against this, the sickness. And the same is, is true with Half-Life Alex. That's that's not what I imagine when you think about VR games. And I think most people also want a different kind of, of, of gaming with more action, with different games, like role-playing games. And like most games people play today, they are not really fit for VR. There's another great game, which is Moss. So this is uh, an adventure game with this little uh, mice where you stand on, on top of the world and you can look around and you, you see all the characters and, and can you uh, say... Uh, or click anywhere and say, go there and do some stuff. And you are more like an observer. And this works really, really well. And I think that's even a better adaption of VR technology that you are standing in kind of a really awesome looking world. It's so beautiful. And you're looking at like, for example, a mouse, a small animal, um, crawling around doing stuff that works well. But the other games, like shooters, like Half-Life Alex, it's so it really is great. But compared to other game experiences, yes, it's perfectly fit for VR. But still, it's, it's not the kind of game I want to play all the time. So I currently prefer to just take my Switch, sit on my mm. couch and, and play like a great RPG, for example, there. Or like play Minecraft on, on my uh, 4K, 4K or even 5K big screen. That's It's better, actually, than the VR experience. Even if it looks great in VR, it's a little bit exhausting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, the, the topic of motion sickness is, of course, one of the biggest obstacles of getting uh, VR um, like into the into the mainstream and these new devices the, the problem with motion sickness is when your eyes see things that your body does not experience which happens a lot when you move in VR and so these new devices which helps your body actually um, move around in, in this in this uh, world and for example if you duck and go like low with your body and your VR character is doing the same and your perspective changes like that this helps enormous with uh, fighting motion sickness I think the worst playing experiences that I ever had was exactly this problem where I sat in my chair and moved around in VR using like keyboard and mouse and, and stuff. And so the character was moving and looking left and right, but my body didn't move. And so this was really screwing with my brain and I got sick uh, very, very quickly. Uh, my favorite game actually is 
something that uh, is, is similar to what you just described, where I'm sitting in a cockpit of a of a spaceship. It's called Elite Dangerous. It's a, um, a VR simulation game. And the most amazing thing in there is that I really can sit comfortable in my chair and fly through space. And my body accepts this because... I am in a cockpit. So the, the airship is flying around and doing maneuvers and everything. And I can move my head and look outside of the window. And so I have this immersive experience of sitting in a cockpit, but my body does not feel sick because the brain thinks I'm in a cockpit. I do not have to move around and walk around. And so it's, it's not breaking reality for me. So this is a kind of good compromise between not having to move and still have this amazing VR experience. Yeah, your wife actually told me that you're so addicted to this game that you added a Slack console to your cockpit so they can message you. So for something like, yeah, dinner is ready and stuff. Right. It's, it's an right. awesome yeah, story, yeah. actually. Yeah, it's it's really, and uh, at some point of time, I have to show you like uh, my chair that I'm uh, sitting in right now because I have my my joystick and the throttle and everything attached to the chair. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, it's true. And uh, when I'm in my cockpit, I have this like console and everything. So, and this all helps with with the with the immersion because I do not have to take off my headset to read what is happening in Slack, for example. And I have um, like. Uh, can she, she can call me in my cockpit and so i have her voice in my headset <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah and there, i think there is still no please go on yeah no I, i just want to say um i think gaming is not necessarily the the area that bring will bring ar and vr in uh, the modern society um, where everyone is going to use it. But I think it's a great proving ground to experiment with concepts and try out what concepts are working and are not working. For example, um, I, I was thinking about Pokemon Go, which is probably the most uh, successful AR implementation of the last uh, years, where people were rocking around in the real world, searching for Pokemons and catching them with their phones. Um, and this one is something which was really, really popular, but I personally think um, it's like cheating because it's not really, the success comes not really from the AR application, but from um, the location-based nature of this game. So you could could have even catched Pokemon without, um, yeah, without the AR experience itself. Yeah, but, but there, uh, again, it was a, a great experiment for getting AR into the mind of uh, the everyday user. Yeah, there was this predecessor, Ingress, which was like uh, the same game, just without um, AR stuff, right? Yeah. So, but but this leaves actually our like innovation drivers, and like uh, one of the last episodes, we learned that innovation drivers classically were like pawn and war, and like a third thing was a new thing, a global pandemic. So this global pandemic was a thing where I hoped like VR would get a breakthrough because everyone was at home. Um, But it didn't happen. So there was no talk about like VR stuff, VR meetings. And I think um, there, are, there are two reasons for it. First of all, you needed a high-end graphics card, which were, um, thanks to crypto mining, other things, uh, not affordable because they were two or even three times as expensive as they normally would be. And the other thing is that the um, AR and VR goggles, quality-wise, are still not good enough. So like resolution-wise uh, and um, usability-wise and so on, so that the mass majority is not using them. 
And with gaming, um, you saw like a, a small wave with like PlayStation 4 and Xbox One where they had some VR capabilities, but uh, I'm not even sure if there are VR goggles for PlayStation 5 right now. Are there? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I'm not that deep into the PlayStation realm. Um, I, I don't know if they continue this this um, this line, but the PlayStation VR, I think it was the most sold VR headset back in the time where it was up to date. Yeah. Yeah. So um, which which yeah. leaves an, another innovation driver, which is uh, porn. So like everything uh, onto the table. So what's your VR porn experience up until now, Tarek? <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, to be honest, um, of course, for uh, scientific curiosity as an engineer, I had to check it out. But <laughs> it um, it was not a great experience because I think it is kind of cheating. Um, the the way that VR porn is sold and produced is basically 360 degree camera technology so they are not using like regular cameras but these 360 degree camera which allows you as a viewer to look around in the scene like in every direction um, and this can be done on a vr headset but it's only in three three degree of freedom um, so usually um, you have this static camera position with 300 degree uh, with a 300 degree um, globe around you and you can uh, look around but with virtual reality you use six degrees of freedom so you can look around but also move around in three axes right like forward and uh, sidewards and up and down and so if you stand up in your chair and you walk around the room this is vr experience but you, if you do this in a 360 degree sense you stand up and you walk around but the camera will not move Yeah, and this is really, really messing with your brain. It's 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 really, really bad. And that's that was the problem of the early versions of these cardboard VR goggles that you had, where you put your your phone in, um, and it did not feel right. It was something like, hey, let's experience 300 degree, 360 degree video, but it, in my definition, it did not qualify as virtual reality. And so VR porn has exactly this problem. It is a nice toy to play around with and looking around the scene but it did not really give you the immersion of being in there and so the the promised innovation of vr porn did not really come in there yeah and and so um from, from my point of view maybe i am not up to date maybe there are now like really uh like vr porn applications but uh when it it first became um like a thing I, I was really not impressed. It, it did not work well with this, um, with these, with these devices. Yeah. So I tested um, it out of curiosity as an engineer, obviously, on our work equipment. <laughs> so to check it out, <laughs> and um, my problem was mostly the resolution. So um, okay, and also like right now, like checked if there was new innovation. There is not. So it's still the same as you remember it. Um, yeah, it looks full of pixels, so it's not even like uh, it's DVD quality, pal. So it's not even Blu-ray yeah. quality, even if it's like high resolution, it's high resolution in 360 degrees. So uh, and then it's like, okay, it does look like porn in the 90s when the first internet connections yeah. came out, and like a full movie was like 50 megabytes because the resolution was so small, it would open it now on your 4K display, it would be so small that you could not see anything uh, until you make it full screen. And that's how it looks like. So I was like, 
okay, who's going to buy this? Even like uh, a normal HD porn movie looks way better. And if I'm not talking about 4K. 4K is even better. So that's like a new experience. Now you've in 5K and 60 frames per second stuff, uh, which makes a difference in like visual quality. But that's, 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 that's when like DVDs came through. You could buy it on VHS, which sucked because resolution was bad. And then DVD came out, digital, way better resolution. So I think, The promised uh, innovation did not happen here. I also think that that there will be no breakthrough in, 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 with porn on, on VR goggles or even AR goggles. It's, it's just the resolution is too bad. There were yeah or we were promised better headsets, but I haven't seen one. So there was like talks where you had like 4K on both eyes and it will be so much better, but I haven't seen those. Yeah, but now now <laughs> the but of this discussion. Um, I think the the problem that we see right now is that we are trying to press the old medium into this new technology. And so for evolvement, um, we have to produce it in a completely different way. As I said, um, having simply the same movie that we used in 2D pressed into the 3D or VR format, this does not work. If we actually produce something like that in a volumetric film studio with high resolution cameras this could look better and then you could actually move around in the scene because you can actually see it in all perspectives and uh, maybe the future of this medium is to not film with real actors but using some kind of deep fake high resolution rendering which is uh, amazingly cap uh, possible with uh, the nvidia technology that we have right now and deep faking and so it might more be produced like a game so you have these characters you have these movements you have the voices you have the faces and everything is rendered but this way you can actually be in the scene even though it is not filmed with classic cameras and so maybe the innovation that we will see in the next five to ten years is not simply moving the same application into this new medium but actually transform the way we produce movies and also this kind of movies um, in this new style where actors are training like their actor model not actually performing live on camera and i think this is the the way that we are going into vr uh, into the realm of vr um, and this is why we're um, disappointed if we have like a classical cameraman sit standing around in the scene and we expect this to look amazing It would still require better goggles, right? With better resolution. But this is like with OLED yeah. technology and no 5K displays, really small ones and all these smartphone devices getting higher resolutions should be possible, right? Yeah, but but it is. Uh, so every year we have new, uh, new devices and the Valve Index that I have right now at home is not comparable to, for example, the Quest 2. And the Quest 2 is the, the device that um, most people are having. And if you wear the Quest 2 and you say, ah, it's, it's not a great resolution. Yeah, sure, because it's like a mobile processor for 300 bucks or 400 bucks. What do you expect? Yeah, and the same is if I play Pong on an Atari, I could say, yeah, the immersion is not great. But yeah, of course it's not great because it's like a device that has only these capabilities. And so the 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 capabilities of the um, the screens and your devices, they will evolve. I don't think that this is really the deal breaker here. Um, and this is, of course, getting better and better. Yeah, but your goal yeah, is they need a high graphic card, right? Yes, This is a high-end uh, device which is only running on like the the uh, the, the high um, how do you say 
the high end on the Nvidia graphic cards. And when I bought it, I, I had the, what was it, uh, 2080 Ti. So really, really uh, high end. But, and still with this high end graphics card, I was not able to turn the quality to ultra high. It, it was still like limited. And so I, I could still upgrade and get more out of um, of this headset. Yeah, But th that's always when you move on the high end of, of the spectrum. Yeah, but I also think that the current uh, graphic card prices and so graphic cards did not really evolve in the last two years or like even three years. And that's a big mm -hmm. issue. That's that's really blocking also like VR games to become more mainstream, I think. Uh, that, that's an issue. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, of course, I do not argue that we are already there and VR gaming is like the status quo. It's still inconvenient and very expensive. No question. Um, but I think that um, what we are seeing right now with um, the movement from Facebook to the metaverse, for example, and uh, the, the, the bet that even Apple is going into the AR and VR realm by releasing hopefully these, this uh, kind of promised VR headset, um, uh, I think those are the steps that are bringing us into this realm and um, I don't think that we have to expect the Ready Player One way of dealing with VR and AR technology, but having something like a hard display in my glasses or actually um, using these things in my home office while I was while I will meet with my colleagues, for example, those will become standard use cases. And so I think the gaming scenario is only one thing, and there will be two. D gaming uh, people who prefer gaming on a regular screen and others with other games uh, that are that will uh, play on, on their devices. Um, this will always be the case. Um, but with the metaverse, for example, this is going to be a, a new way of dealing with um, with gaming and other use cases. And so um, I, I think. The next generation will not have this discussion if this is going to become a reality or how to deal with it. It will simply be another place to meet and another place to interact and store data and uh, move around and, and do things. Um, and the, now I wanted to uh, put, point my finger to the worldwide uh, developer conference from Apple, which is going to happen today. But no, sorry, tomorrow, but uh, for everyone who's listening and watching this episode of the podcast, it will be in the past. So it, it's kind of a bet that I'm now saying maybe they will announce um, the new AR, VR headset uh, from Apple. But uh, yeah, when you see this podcast, uh, you, you will know if I'm right or wrong. <laughs> yeah, so, so this will happen uh, from our perspective tomorrow. And so maybe um, they will bring something into this direction. And The, my bet is the moment that Apple jumps onto this course and touches this, uh, this, this category of devices, suddenly everybody is going to talk about this and uh, everyone is going to wear these Apple glasses because this is then cool. Right now it's just yeah for nerds, but the moment that Apple is going into this game, this will be the new standard as they did with the iPod, as they did with the Apple Watch, as they did um, with um, the, the smartphone. Uh, when, when Apple starts, then everybody is going to adapt it. I'm really hoping for this. And this is a really interesting point you said like a minute before. The next generation will see this as a normal meeting point. 
for me, right. this was like chat. So when I, I grew up with the first like internet chats, ICQ, AIM, MSN and so on. And for me, it was total normal to mostly meet my friends and even my first girlfriend. We mostly chatted, right? With my fir first girlfriend, we, we used chat so often. I still have like, I don't know how many chat logs uh, we had back in the days. And with all my friends, even in high school, we ha did hang out and chat. And even when I started studying, we were like, I was studying electrical engineering. We had our um, IRC server obviously and we did hang out there and did a chat there was not even history so you were either online or you were not and then you could see the chat message only if you were online right. so this was this was my meeting place this is how i grew up and i can really imagine like uh, my children that it will be normal for them to meet their friends not like at mcdonald's or wherever or in a restaurant or like at, at the bus station but just in vr And then they're hanging out in VR and I will be always say, oh, go out of the home and don't stay in your room all the time. What are you even doing with your goggles all day? This is unhealthy. No. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's totally uh, true. Um, I, I only recently bought an Apple Watch uh, because before that, I always said, I don't really need it. I have everything that I need. I have my, my MacBook and I have um, like a smartphone. And if I want to read my email, I take out my phone. But right now it is really just a question of convenience that if I get a message, I, I simply have to look at my watch and I can quickly skim it and I don't have to get my phone. Yeah, so it's, it's still not necessary, but it is really a, a way of handling things conveniently. And so I believe with the App, or let, let's not call it Apple uh, glasses, but and some AR glasses that I wear, that, this will be the same thing. It's not necessary, but not having to look at my watch, but simply have like messages in my glasses, this will be the new normal. And if you don't wear glasses or you don't like it, you can still use your watch or your phone or whatever. It's, it's just like another aspect that you can use, another device that you can use if you want to. And at some point of time, we won't have the phones anymore because we have a belt buckled bucket with, with a CPU in it or something. And my wearables are doing everything that I need. And so I do not have to carry around this brick anymore. It's, it's, this is really inconvenient and people can't imagine this thing. But in the future, the future generations, for them, it will be very, very normal. And for example, right now, if, if I want to have a phone call with you, like a video call, I have to take out my phone and this is already very modern, right? Um, or I have to go to, to a computer. But simply, I don't know, touching my glasses and have a hologram of you in my room and talk to you, this will be very convenient. I don't have to take out any devices out of my pocket or from my desk. I can simply tap my, my glasses and see you and have a quick conversation and then hang up and you're gone again. And I can't imagine anything more convenient than, than this. Yeah, I agree. And I also think but this is like the next step. Maybe VR, like real VR, is just like a bridging technology, which is now for nerds and so on. And the actually breakthrough will not come from virtual reality, but from augmented reality, right? So this, is, this, this will be the next step. And maybe then the, the step after that will be that your AR device actually also additionally can do VR. So for example, like you star, uh, saw in Star Trek Picard, where they actually wear AR glasses, but they are also like seeing a virtual room where they work or where they access like a remote computer. So because maybe uh, you are like me, I'm currently uh, on the Greek island of Crete 
and uh, I want to access my workstation at home. So maybe I will have like AR goggles where I see my big screen, see all my equipment where I have and can remotely access it to, to make work easier because obviously I can't take a big screen with me, but I can take my, my, my AR goggles, which maybe have like a 20K resolution, which looks really normal. And obviously um, it's inconvenient to see this like vacation room here in the house uh, for work but maybe I see my, my working desk and I see my my normal display multiple displays I can position to work with maybe that will be the next thing and um, the other thing is which I would like to touch uh, in the end here is actually the um, currently available AR glasses which are either the Microsoft HoloLens or uh, the Facebook acquired Oculus. So we, we had the Oculus one was it? Which which one did we have Tarek? Oculus one to play around? The, uh, yeah both. So right now we have the Quest 2 um, but in the past we had the Quest one yeah. Okay so, so the uh, to, to, to play around with and, and do some real augmented reality stuff but they are not really available right now. So um, AR like real AR goggles are just for conferences right now. So I saw the, the HoloLens, I saw other stuff. Um, I saw new industry devices, but I've never heard of really industry using those technology. Did you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest users is uh, the U.S. military, for example. And I think they had uh, they they have contracts with Microsoft using the, um, the HoloLens technology um, in their in their uh, airplane headsets and, and these things. And this was, of course, very, um, very controversial because uh, many software developers, they are not really okay with having their technology used by the military. But this is one of the biggest um, users of, of this technology. And apart from that, I'm not sure where exactly in factories or business usage um, people are using these things. But I guess mainly out of inconvenience because the HoloLens is still very bulky and large and has a very um, like limited field of view. It is not the way of AR as we imagine it. But I think if I take a look at the future, AR will be the technology that will be used by everyday people, use it, for example, in contact lenses or in their, in their glasses. But VR will always be a very special kind of experience that you're going to have. For example, if I want to take a look at the new moon base that is built, um, that will be built in the next years, it makes sense to have like this VR experience where my reality is blocked out and I am immersed in this moon environment. But the everyday usage of having a quick call with you and your hologram, for example, or having Google Maps annotations while I walk the street and Google Maps is displaying, there, this is the road where you have to take a turn right. This will be very conveniently my everyday usage of AR technology. I, I don't want to have this in VR by blocking my sight while I'm driving a car or something like this. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. And so I think VR will always be the special case, but AR, I am 100% sure, will find its way into the future society. And when I say future, I don't mean like 100 years, but somewhere in the next decade. Yeah, I hope yeah. so too. <laughs> I think... VR goggles are also heavily used by the US military by, uh, mm. for, uh, for drone flights, right? So you have a drone yeah. flying straight, but you have a movable camera. So obviously it's easier to just move your head to see what maybe yes. the drone is seeing and have a more immersive feeling as a pilot, actually. And I think this is, this is currently also already state-of-the-art. Right, right. So, yeah. I... Please go ahead. No, I, 
I would wrap it up now. If you have some exactly. famous last words. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, so yeah, for but, all but, our... But, yeah, please go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so for all our listeners, uh, I have a question. So do you have VR equipment at home? And how often are you really using it? Do you have like the goggles for your PlayStation? Are you using it? Did you just buy it and it landed in like, I don't know, next to your sofa, never used again. So it would be really interesting to, to hear your experiences with uh, VR goggles and equipment. Uh, tell us in the comments, write us an email about it, uh, or even what you think about what will be the future of VR and AR. Will we see a World of Warcraft effect where there's this one breakthrough online game for VR? Or will we just say VR is a niche product and AR will be the next thing and we just skip over like Ready Player One uh, stuff? So, and otherwise, see you again next week where we talk again about the hottest engineering topics. So, Tarek, what's it going to be? Let's talk about artificial intelligence next week because this is a, a topic that is not as trendy as VR right now, but it is way more important because artificial intelligence is already um, embedded in basically everything we do and touch today. And so it is very interesting and fascinating to take a look at where we are in the evolution of AR tech AI technology and uh, what is going to happen in the next years. So which see you again me, next week. Yeah. Which reminds me of a great joke somebody told me. So Tarek, what's the difference in artificial intelligence and machine learning? I don't know. It's uh, If it's written on a PowerPoint slide, it's AI. If it's some uh, engineering-related stuff, it's machine learning. <laughs> yeah, I kind of disagree, but let's talk about this next week. <laughs> so see you again next See you again next week at the same time, at the same spot. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Innovation Engineer podcast. If you take any value from our content, please make sure to rate us wherever you're listening right now. All articles, products, and references we discussed in this episode will be linked in the show notes. Some of the links we provide are affiliate links that generate a small commission for us without costing you extra. Any support is highly appreciated and helps us keep this podcast alive. Visit theinnovationengineer.com to find more content about software engineering, innovation, and the hottest trends in tech today. Stay awesome.